We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the week six edition, the Tuesday edition of the Rotoware NFL podcast, of course, brought to you by our friends at Circus Sports. It's time. We got major injuries, of course. Justin Jefferson is going to be on injured reserve. James Conner might be done for a while. You got multiple quarterbacks out. It's time for the waiver wire to matter again. We had a two-week stretch of it not being so significant, but here we go. We'll hit the music and come back with some of the top waiver wire pickups for week six. And welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday, October 10th edition of the Rotowire NFL podcast, of course, brought to you by Circus Sports. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports on Twitter. On Twitter. Wow. Making a new name for it, Elon. Take that one instead of X. It sounds better. <laughs> and, and this week, uh, happy, delighted to be joined with my friend Jim Coventry. Jim, uh, you're replacing uh, big shoes here in the case of Jake, who is out this week is flying uh, back from Vegas, probably disappointingly because he went to go see that Packers loss to the Raiders. But I'm happy to have you here, Jim, and no better person to talk to when it comes to the James Conner injury Uh, as well, too. Yeah, James Conner, I tell you every year, draft him, but with a plan. No, he's going to miss a few games, and when he's on the field, he'll be playing pretty well for you. He's had a tough schedule to start the season, done Mm -hmm. well enough with it, and he was on his way to another big game, and unfortunately, weird hit, didn't think it was one to worry about, and apparently it is. Yeah, apparently it is. We'll get to the James Conner news, uh, what that means for the Cardinals' backfield, as well as Justin Jefferson, who I guess I uh, feel zero sympathy for people who are missing Jefferson because you had the number one overall pick. So, haha, uh, that's what it gets. Do not have the luck that uh, I do because I only had him in one of my 15 leagues in that regard. We'll, go, we'll get to all those major injuries and more. First, I do want to talk about that Monday Night Football game, and we always do this briefly, uh, Jake and I, when recapping the contest. It hits differently, Jim. When it's the team that I care and love about, in the case of the Packers, uh, I can tell you following the the final interception to Christian Watson, which was on Watson. You know, that's a bad throw by Love. He could have had a touchdown if he saw it earlier. But Watson has to make a play for that ball. He just kind of gave up on it. Uh, following that game, I was telling my wife, all right, it's time to fire Lafleur. Uh, let's tank as long as much as we can for a different quarterback as Jordan Love isn't it. And she was like, slow down, Joe. You said at the beginning of the year, this is a long season. They're going to stick at times. You have to be fine with it. Uh, and I told myself I'd be fine with it at the beginning of August. But when you watch that bad of quarterback play, it's really hard to be fine with that in the middle of October. Yeah, I. you know what? All deep passes are 
maybe not a 50-50 proposition, but they're the lowest percentage passes. But Jordan Love is definitely worse than many good starting quarterbacks with his downfield accuracy. Uh, some throws it clicks, but a lot of them, he's often not close. And there are times you have to give your player a chance. You said Watson, yeah, he, he could have come in and make you know made a play, but recognizing early that is an important part of the deep ball passing. Because once you're throwing deep, but you are – under you're kind of hurrying up your duress rate mm -hmm. it's just not a good recipe one thing i do want to say quickly about love is this and i said this before the game yesterday i was worried about him for fantasy in games that are going to be close he's not going to go over 30 pass attempts that is not going to happen in weeks one and two it didn't happen the two games they had to chase yes 44 and 36 but again those are games that they were getting blown out but the Packers offense, Aaron Rodgers was not seeing more than 30 passes in games when they were close. So that's going to be a problem for Love going forward. It's going to be volume. You have to hope they're going to get blown out for him to be big for fantasy. Well, I thought there was going to be a rushing aspect as well, too. And I think he had one kind of longer run called back. You know, that's that's part of where Jordan Love, if he's a fantasy quarterback, it's going to be dependent on if he gets four or five points on the ground, which he has been able to in past games, was not able to this time around, didn't get that rushing touchdown. He probably could have uh, on A.J. Dillon's touchdown, could have kept that read option on Max Crosby, who, by the way, was like getting an insane amount of love on the broadcast. Like Crosby was good. He, I don't, he, he was that good. I think the offensive line just had no clue. Matt LaFleur. Had no, no clue. And if I'm to take away one thing, it's that Matt LaFleur is, is not it. That guy, uh, other than th four, three quarters uh, this season, has been vastly outcoached. You do not lose a Week 18 winning your end playoff game at Lambeau against the Lions if you're a good coach. Any good coach wins that game. Didn't last year. LaFleur can go. Joe Barry can go. Uh, I'm ready for a reset in a lot of different things. I'm also ready for a reset on Packers injury problems. What happened with Aaron Jones there? I mean, we were supposed to have Aaron Jones. He played Thursday last week against the Lions, only played a half, but we were told all week it was fine, it was fine. And then it wasn't mysteriously like four hours before. Now the Packers are on a bye week this week, so maybe they're playing it safe. But how do you handle this Aaron Jones nonsense? The only thing, if you're rostering, the only thing you can do is hope that they, it's 20 days off between the game, the days that he had off going into this game, mm -hmm. the seven into the bye and the six into the next game, it's 20 additional days. All I can say is you have to hope that's all it is, and it wasn't a setback. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, I think it was after the Lions-Packers game last Thursday, the Packers have 23 games, or sorry, tw 23 days with just one game in between, and of course it was this Monday night game, which they lost so disappointingly, at least in my eyes. Was there any takeaways from the Raiders' offense that you had from this contest? Yes, um, the one is, and, and I kind of talked about this back in week one, obviously not on our show, but with Jimmy G, we'll have games where he targets the heck out of Devontae Adams. But Jimmy G is not a quarterback that likes to throw the ball in a tight window. He doesn't really have the arm for it. He doesn't mm -hmm. have the, the demeanor for it. And so when a team like the Packers comes in and they decided to bracket and put a lot of attention on Adams, Jimmy G will just go to the next guy. And the recipient of that is going to be Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers will be a thing this year. Devontae's going to get his as well. But Jimmy G is really comfortable when he sees tighter coverage just to go to the next guy. And he's a good player. So wheels up on Jacoby Myers. And again, Adams will be fine. Adams will still have his eight or nine insane games. It's just that Jimmy G will look otherwise when he has to. You do a lot of the ranking stuff for us. And you know, you're putting different positions together, but also players within the position 
where is Jacoby Myers for you rest of season, but even like a weekly process? Because I'm, I'm curious, you could probably not buy low on Myers, but you could buy him for an appropriate price right now. And as we enter the thick of the bye week season, having a guy that's consistently wide receiver two or flex does have value, especially if you're a team that uh, like is, is four and one right now or something like extent where you could afford a bad game or a bad dud roster spot. Like Myers might be actually a really interesting call if you're able to pay an appropriate price for him. I think he's flirting with top 30 wide receiver value, and that can go a couple spots higher or lower. But the whole thing is the Raiders, they're getting fantasy production out of Josh Jacobs, but the running game is not working. He is well less than four yards per carry. It's not sustaining offense against better run defense. They're not going to move the ball consistently on the ground. So this is a team that's going to have to pass. And look, the Packers laid an egg offensively, but there's a lot of games the Raiders are going to trail. They're going to need to throw. And, you know, even back in week three against Pittsburgh, Jimmy G had to throw the ball 44 times. That volume is going somewhere. So yes, Myers is a player we're going to be ranking a around you know inside the inside the top 40 maybe even some weeks in the top 30 and trade for him if you can because he's coming off a two for 33 the prior week so fantasy managers may think okay i had a good one here some people are going to make excuses say Devontae was hurt which i don't think he was so it may be one last chance to buy and i think it would be worth making an offer for him oh the easy excuse is joe barry sucks let's go have a safety play 10 yards at the ed zone see what happens oh touchdown shocker (laughs) Oh, Preston Smith covering Devonta Adams. Yeah, but number one corner also on Justin Jefferson in years past. Thanks, bud. Love you, Joe Barry. Uh, keep making me hate you. This is great. Great content for everyone. All right, so let's get to the waiver wire pickups. Again, we have a number of different injuries this week. And uh, I, before we do so, I want to get word from our sponsors here, Circus Sports. Jake, of course, uh, my usual Tuesday co-host, was just at Vegas. And I'm sure he was enjoying his time at the Circus Resort and Casino because it's football season all season long, at least during uh, right at this period. And it's circus specifically that needs to be featured because the best pool in history, the stadium swim, there's three levels, six pools and 143 foot diagonal screen. Stadium swim is America's favorite place to watch football, playing every game from college to pros all week long, catch all the action poolside from a variety of seating options, including everything from cozy day beds to private temperature controlled cabanas and stadium swim located at circuit resorting casino is open 365 days a year, all sports, all seasons booked today at CircaLasVegas.com. That's CircaLasVegas.com. You and I, uh, Jim, have had our number of times there during baseball season, watching All-Star Weekend, things like that. Uh, it gets hot, obviously, in Vegas, and that is probably my number one favorite place. Like I've had multiple friends, uh, college guys, go to Vegas over the past couple of weeks. I have recommended every single time Circa because the pool, because the screen, and the football viewing setup is awesome. Yeah, Circus is an amazing place, and their legacy club, if you're able to go up there, the yes. staff is amazing. They treat you like you matter, and that means a lot. There's a lot of times you go to places, and people just like kind of roll their eyes or look over your head. Not there. They treat you like you belong. It's a great place to go. Oh, that never happens to you, Jim. You're always treated like an all-star <laughs> everywhere you happen to go. All right, so let's dive into the quarterback position. We had, of course, a few injuries to Anthony Richardson and Daniel Jones specifically. Last week, we had talked about Sam Howell as an interesting streamer case. Worked out fine. I didn't imagine the commanders would get their butts beat as bad as they did to the Bears on Thursday night. But Howell was a great streaming option. Zach Wilson, not so much. Uh, had his rendezvous with Patrick Sertan, which ruined things from a fan- fantasy perspective a little bit. Overall mundane game. Just for your understanding, Jim, and the listeners as well, too, typically when we're rec- recommending players, we're shooting for people under 50% rostered on Yahoo League. So your super flex leagues, obviously a few of these streaming level candidates and quarterbacks, 
are already rostered, already picked up. But the goal is to find a few of the unique situations that might be available. We'll talk about Superflex when we get to uh, Bailey Zappi and Tyrod Taylor in a little bit. But I think this week's top streamer, and you can correct me because I'm sure you've done the rankings already, might be Derek Carr against the Texans. Derek Carr is a fair streamer, but be careful. Houston, dating back to last year, it, I don't know how they do it with their personnel. They have been amazing against the pass. And some people will say it's because they can't stop the run. That hasn't necessarily correlated. And last week, though, here was the mistake. Houston, look, the coaching plan was what the coaching plan was. It was, all right, let's take away the Falcons' run game, and they got killed through the air. Um, D'Amico Ryans, it was a good concept but play to your strengths. He didn't do that. Well, I assume this week they go back to being a really, really good pass defense. And Derek Carr on the road, that's often problematic. Not all the time, but frequently. And I know he got knocked out of the game against Green Bay, but even he played more than a half of that game. He's averaging less than 200 yards over his last four games. He's averaging less than one touchdown over his last four. If he's under pressure, he's in a lot of trouble. But from a streamer standpoint, you're hoping – he could sneak in two touchdown passes, but he's probably not going over 200 yards here. Yeah, I, I loved what we were seeing with Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid and Michael Thomas earlier this season, but it does feel like post-shoulder injury, there is a limitation to Carr's game. Like I don't feel like the explosive plays are happening nearly as much. Maybe that's the Saints working in Alvin Kamara, who once again had a really good game from a PPR perspective. I, I had said two weeks ago, you know, that was the debut of Alvin Kamara, I was assuming with Jameis Winston as the quarterback, because that was the assumption, Derek Carr would not play, that Kamara wasn't going to do well. Well, and he had 14 catches or whatever it was. And and this felt like a bit more correcting to the mean. And I don't know if it's Derek Carr getting healthier or Mac Jones and the Patriots just being that bad. They are actually worse than Jordan Love. It's 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 crazy to say after watching Monday Night's game, but the Patriots are actually worse. Uh, and certainly Mac Jones is too. I, I like the Texans. Uh, I thought after that Steelers game, but I have now officially bought in to CJ Stroud and the Texans being a thing. And then they lay that dud uh, against the Falcons, which I thought was a very winnable game for them. Uh, and it really was. I know the score kind of indicated that too. So it, it is kind of a growing period thing for Houston. And I wonder if they go back to like what you said, a defense that's more keyed in on the pass against Derek Carr. Yeah, it was a game planning error. That's all it was. D'Amico Ryans, I'm sure, learned from it. I'm sure he'll adjust properly. But um, th- the Texans are getting a point and a half here. I already bet that game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I do my Tuesday article where I pick every game against the spread, against the over-under. I took the Texans as well, too. Uh, and I like the Saints. You know, I've talked about them a lot when we did our offseason podcast. I think they are going to be the NFC South division winner, although Buccaneers have surprised me uh, way more than I was anticipating. We'll end up seeing the other streaming quarterback option. That I was thinking, is it Baker Mayfield? I mean, again, you do the rankings, you tell me, but Baker Mayfield against the Lions, he's only 20% rostered. We have to see the status of Mike Evans. That might be the biggest key of this whole thing. Uh, but Baker Mayfield has quietly been, I think, at least a quarterback 16 uh, in three of the four or four of the five weeks of the season. Yeah, Baker Mayfield is getting it done, and I am giving a ton of credit to offensive quarter Dave Canales. He is using a league-high rate of play action, and that is giving Baker Mayfield an extra moment to identify. The reads are clearly defined, and they're not frequently going to the heavy reads beyond Evans and Godwin. Yes, Evans' status, we have to know that, and that will definitely make a difference. But right now, Baker Mayfield is playable, and... The Lions matchup, Emmanuel Mosley played his first game coming off an ACL, and then he injured his ACL. But that's on the other knee. Yeah. Yeah. The other knee. Brian Branch missed the last game. So even if he plays less than 100%, 
but Chris Godwin is going to take care of business if Evans isn't 100%. But I do think he's a good streamer this week. There should be points scored in this game. The The Tampa Bay Buccaneers probably do not trust their running game very much with Rashad White, and it's mm-hmm. not a good run matchup. So, yes, and he, he has a touchdown for you in every game, averaging two over the last four games. Baker Mayfield's in play. He's getting you a few rushing yards, nothing big. He had sure. 31 in the last game. But, but yeah, he definitely is a streamer. And, and if you have you carry a second quarterback, you could do way worse. Then there's Gardner Minshew, and I think from a Superflex perspective, you and I are both in the uh, 14 or 12-team Vegas Superflex that we drafted you know, back in late July. Uh, Gardner Minshew is going to be an attractive option. Anthony Richardson has that uh, shoulder sprain or AC, whatever it is. It sounds like he's going to be out a while. I don't know if it's season-ending per se, but it might be season like playoff fantasy. That's where we might be getting to with Anthony Richardson. Not great, obviously. So Gardner Minshew enter- enters the fray. Where do you stand on Gardner Minshew from a streaming perspective first off, but I guess super flex too, because that's where I think more of the value lies, but maybe, maybe you have more, you have more faith in Gardner than I do. You know, we've seen this with Gardner Minshew. He'll play well. And then all of a sudden he turns into a pumpkin. And right now, left tackle Bernard Raymond's been out the last two games. True. Hopefully they can get him back. The interior line though was healthy last week. That'll help Minshew. And look, the Jaguars played them in week one and Minshew, uh, you played the last snap of that game. I didn't even play otherwise. But I think Jackson was blindsided. They were expecting heavy personnel, RPO base, and mm-hmm. the Colts came out in three receiver sets almost the entire game. The Jaguars do have game tape now from that game they played them. And so I do think the adjustment coming in this game, and the Jaguars are playing very decently defensively. They're putting up some fun blitzes. They're disguised blitzes. Tyson Campbell is a top corner. And I, I think this could be one of those games. Remember, this is a Jaguars team. They limited Kansas City offensively. For the first half, they gave Buffalo some fits. And then, of course, Josh Allen did what Josh Allen does. I think this is a better defense than we think. If you have to stream, you're hoping for a touchdown. You're mm-hmm. hoping for about 200, 210 yards. I don't know there's much more than that. Is there any other streaming streaming quarterbacks that we're missing? Again, we're shooting for under 50% rostered. You play in a number of different leagues and a lot of number of different high-stakes leagues, but also ones that have massive benches and rosters. So you're probably thinking of somebody that I might be missing. You know, no, I think, well, Josh Dobbs is always in play. And look, last week he didn't get his 40 yards rushing, but he was like a lock for 40 yard rushing three, three weeks in a row. Mm. Marquise Brown has been relevant. He's been at least 50 yards and a touchdown in three of his last four. The yard has been there every week. Um, they even get the Wilson kid involved a bit two games ago. But other than that, Joshua Dobbs at the Rams, the Rams are going to score points. And the Rams lost their nose tackle for six to seven weeks. That's going to be a big injury. Aaron Donald is going to be a problem, but yeah. look, they're going to roll out jobs. They'll roll them out away from him. And I do think that Josh Dobbs gets it done. I, I would be stunned if he didn't account for two touchdowns, 200 passing yards, and maybe another 30 on the ground. I think Josh Dobbs is a wonderful streamer. And again, Hats off to Drew Petzig. I did not mm. think anything of him coming in with really very little pedigree for offensive coordinator. He has been a breath of fresh air. He has done well to scheme people open. He's a good coach. Jaws is asking, wondering if I should swap Dobbs for Minshew. It's a four points for passing touchdown league. And of course it's dynasty, which is why we're debating those two guys. I, I think it is Dobbs over Minshew, but I like Minshew at times in, in the duration of the season. Like, I think there's value for both these players at certain points. Agreed. I just thought, I think what Dobbs has is going to be for this season, more lasting. I think in that, and I don't, I don't know if Kyler Murray's coming back. I agree. 
you know, so at this point, I'm expecting him to be a player. And Minshew, we don't know how long it'll be. We just know Minshew. We've seen him enough. And anytime he faces a pass rush is going to give him problems. That's a pro- we're going to have he'll have implosion games out of nowhere. You'll see the four pick game or something like that. I don't think we're getting that from Josh Dobbs. No, I, I agree with you uh, at times. And I also agree with you, Kyler Murray. I think the Cardinals would behoove them to wait on it because I, you could do a lot with Kyler Murray. I know his contract's a little bit tough, but if they were to get a lower pick and you want to be invested in a quarterback, if Dobbs is a relatively cheap asset too, there's no more important thing in the NFL than a cheap quarterback, whether it be a rookie or in the case of Dobbs, something that you find off the waiver wire that might have struck goal. It's the same with Brock Purdy for the 49ers too. I know the different players Different system. I'm I'm in on Purdy now, Jim. I I'm waving the white flag. I have been trying to hold out, <laughs> pretending Purdy wasn't good. Uh, I I was very convinced Sunday night that looked like an NFL quarterback, uh, and one that probably is top twelve at minimum one rest of the season too. So, uh, Anfo is asking about running backs to pick up because obviously they have had a few injuries. Let's get to the running backs though. But first, a word from our sponsors, Blue Wire. We've got a number of people watching right now. Video audience, it'll be right back. But an audio audience, we'll take a little bit break. Come talk about the running backs here in a second. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, we're back and talk about the running backs here from a waiver wire perspective. Last week, we talked about McLaughlin and the Broncos. It's worth checking. Uh, when we did the show last week, he was at 3% rostered. I looked Monday morning, 59% rostered now. So people were correctly able to jump on that, take advantage of the Javante Williams. Uh, not surprise inactive 
on Sunday, but it was it was close to a game time decision. Of course, he didn't play. We had mentioned Ronnie Rivers um, from the Rams' perspective with Kyra Williams. Well, Rivers didn't do a whole lot, but Tajay Spears definitely did. Uh, and I think Spears is still at a certain roster point. At least he's below our threshold, but he's very quickly getting to a point that even in 12-team leagues, uh, he has been picked up in many different occasions. So the big order of news, Jim, of course, is James Conner's injury, which at this point sounds like it's going to be a multi-week absence. Of course, the veteran Cardinals running back have been I don't want to say a fantasy darling per se, but given his draft value, you're more than happy with starting him each and every week. And the Cardinals were surprising a lot of folks. Now we have a conundrum. Uh, Keontae Ingram, who was expected to be the backup, seems to have been replaced by, I want to make sure I get this right, Amario, Amari DiMarcata, uh, who has now, I think, a touchdown on back-to-back games, or at least 40-plus yards in back-to-back games. And then the Cardinals just yesterday or this morning picked up Tony Jones, former Saints guy, guy that we had recommended two weeks ago that ended up being okay going against the Packers, and he could be in the mix right away too. So how do you sort out this Cardinals backfield? You know, right now, Mercado is the guy. They're, he's played well. He's done what they've asked. Keontae Ingram has been a, a total bust last year and earliest year when he got work. He just does not have the ability to get even close to four yards per carry at the NFL level. Tony Jones, like you said a couple weeks ago, he's fine for what he had to do. Um, you could stuff him in an NFL game and let him do a little something. But he's going to be a practice squad guy for most of his career. Um, he'll bounce around the bottom of a roster. Mercado, you know what? He's got enough speed. He's fast. The line blocking has been much better. Arizona, we thought it would be a garbage line. Yeah. It's not. Paris Johnson, the left tackle, really stepped in, has done well. They are actually moving their guards well. They are getting room for their running backs. De Mercado has an opportunity here. And – the offense is balanced enough that they're going to be able to have success in the run game. James Connors had room to run. It's not like him facing like no contact at the line and then he had to make it all work on his own. No, he was getting yardage. DeMarcado will too. Volume-based play, running back two. He should be in lineups in 12-team leagues, especially when you need a running back. Yeah, he'll be a fine play. I don't think anybody else seriously challenges him for work. Yeah, and we talked about this, or I failed to mention that we have two teams on bye this week, the Steelers and Packers. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon were likely starters at some point for some different fantasy teams. Najee Harris, I I thankfully get to be spared that headache this week. Jalen Warren might have been a starter too. So there are some running backs that, uh, or running back spots that you might need to consider. What what is the fab budget play? Because Jake and I try to answer this as best we can. So let's just say you have $100. What percentage of fab are you going to dictate for DiMercato? So I have to just make qualification. If you need a running back for the next three or four weeks, and that's probably just guess how long Connor's gone. If you need a running back, you have to spend to get a starting running back. And you're going to probably put him in your lineup as a starter. Then you have to spend 25% of it. If you have a running back starter for four weeks, that is gold. To me, that's 25%. So I, I actually thought 30%, right? That, that yeah, was the number fine. that was going in my mind. 100%. I'm assuming the Cardinals will put James Connor on injured reserve. If, if the language we're seeing in... You know, the reporters can't reveal the stuff, but I think you kind of know when reporters know. Uh, and the language certainly seems to be that this is not going to be just a, oh, he's week by week or, oh, he's day by day, but he'll actually miss two weeks like we did with Saquon Barkley and Matt Breida. I, I, it, it does feel like they, they are going to put him on injured reserve. They could. Uh, and if that's the case, it's four weeks. And sometimes you look at it and you're like, oh, well, is the team's bye week coming up? Could they play it safe in that regard? Well, no, the Cardinals bye week is in week Late. 14. So there there is that element for this i go 30 percent. my only issue is i i think tony jones isn't he isn't just a scab back like i I think he might be at least somebody 
and probably takes a little bit of that uh, between the tackles workload. Like if you were to go to a backfield by committee, which the Cardinals have not had to do because Connor could do everything. Debar kind of seems like a great pass catching back for what he was and where his value was. And I wonder if Tony Jones also becomes a bit more of the ball carrier out of the backfield. You know, for what we've seen in the short time from Di Mercado, I, I think he's a player that the Cardinals could invest in as a player for their future. I, I think Tony Jones mm. is not any part of their future. After four weeks, Tony Fair. Jones is gone. So, I mean, they have no investment, no reason to be concerned about Tony Jones. Anybody could have had him for free at any point in time they wanted him. So he's just a body. I think he's just a body in there. And, again, you know this. Any running back, you plug a viable running back in any backfield and he can get you some yards. That's the way the NFL works. But uh, I think dear Mercado, this is a player they want to see. They want to see what they have. This is an opportunity. And I think dear Mercado is going to run with it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, fair point. The investment in the Cardinals do what they were entering the season. They've already exceeded expectations. I think the over under win total is at three and a half as is. So I think they have, they have more or less done what people were expecting through five weeks. So I agree. Maybe there is a chance to see what they have in Di Mercado. Uh, it's not like James Conner has a massive contract. They weren't really beholden to make him a thing anyway. Uh, it was just more out of necessity given their backfield situation. So that's a good point. Again, I'm going at 30%. You know, Jim was saying around 25%. I like 30. I like 30. Okay. I like 30. I, I love this. Uh, we've, we have usuals in our chat, Jim, all the time. You're relatively new with us, at least for this week. Uncle Ted has been talking about Roshan Johnson, uh, more than I talk about just about anything in life. I think Uncle Ted might actually be married to Roshan Johnson. It's been great. And we bring this up now because the Bears backfield, we forget about this last Thursday, is in shambles. I mean, we had Khalil Herbert, who's going to be out for a multi-week absence with that high ankle sprain. You had Roshan Johnson leave with the concussion. Travis Homer got injured. I mean, we're down to Deonta Foreman potentially. But Roshan Johnson has had extra days to clear concussion protocol. Right. You are the Bears beat writer. What, what, what do you think? Uh, what are you seeing from the situation right now in Chicago? So, first of all, what we saw with Herbert and Roshan was this Herbert was the early down back, Roshan was the passing down and hurry up back. And if I didn't say lead back I, I, early, if I didn't yeah, say you did. up, yeah, yeah. I, I got it right. Okay. Well, so to me, Deontay Foreman was inactive because. It was Khalil Herbert's role that he was competing for, and Herbert was keeping Herbert's role. If Herbert is going to miss multiple weeks as expected, it would sound to me like they already see, well, we're going to bring Foreman in. We'll put Foreman in the early down role. Roshan Jackson's going to play the same role he did. Yeah. And that's my guess. And we have no idea that coaching staff, you talk about Barry and the guys in Green Bay, <laughs> well, it's a little even less competent in Chicago. But that's the, that's the way I would see that it. Later. <laughs> but that's the way I would see it. I would see that they had to find roles, and Foreman would likely just walk into the Herbert role. So would would Foreman get like okay? So he's the cheapest of these running backs. We'll we'll kind of do the ranking of these guys because a few people have been asking about Zach Moss as well. We'll do the ranking of these running backs a little bit. Foreman's going to be the cheapest acquisition, uh, and I think you know the leagues that we do, fourteen team expert leagues, deeper ones like that they will be on Foreman. Though people in those leagues will be, but I think if you're t standard 10 or 12 team, he's going to be widely available. And if you do need yeah. a guy, you don't have to invest a lot of fat budget. Is no. it fair to say Foreman's going to be like a 10 carry guy who can maybe get two, three catches, depending on the situation. This is the Vikings defense. Uh, they might not have Kirk Cousins. We'll see by the end of the week, but we know the Vikings defense stinks. So there is an advantage for both Roshan and Foreman. It just depends on what workload you can expect from Foreman. So the Bears have been 
they lost two weeks ago, but it was like they were winning the whole game. So it was like they really won the last two in terms of game script, right? Because they were leading Denver, and they certainly were leading Washington. In those games, they were able to lean on their running attack a little more than they wanted to. Most weeks, the Bears are trailing. The Bears are the Bears have not turned this corner and become a great team. Their defense is still brutal, horrible. And so they made some plays against Washington, fine, whatever. But they're going to trail. And if they trail, Roshan Johnson is going to probably see a lot of passing down hurry-up work. Mm. I, I think it's going to be hard for Foreman to get more than 10 carries. Uh, and, and the problem with Foreman, I love Foreman, but he's one of those backs. He needs 15, 20 carries getting a groove because that 15, 20-yard yeah. run is going to pop in there. And, I again, the 14-team leagues, I am definitely going after Foreman when he's available because I'm desperate for running back like everybody is. So there's going to be use there. And if they get the ball near the goal, Foreman is a very good goal line back. So – you can't expect a lot of upside unless you think the Bears are like if you think the Bears are going to come in and play with a lead against Minnesota, he could get that 12, 14 carries. That is in that's in play in this game with no Justin Jefferson. That is definitely in play. Yeah, Vikings only favored by two and a half. This game is in Chicago again. I, I joked about with Kirk Cousins if they were to pull the trigger, this is the season from hell. The Vikings have dealt with it. Justin Jefferson going on injured reserve or expected to go on injured reserve. This is the season of hell. I could absolutely see uh, them committing to whatever draft pick they could get. Say Cousins is gone anyway this offseason. Let's go ahead and make the pull the band off right now. I am I would be surprised. I, I really would not be surprised at all. I've had a few users in the chat ask about Zach Moss. When I had done the podcast prep Monday, Zach Moss was over 50% rostered in our Yahoo threshold. But it is important because obviously he went insane Last week, uh, and you had Jonathan Taylor make his return, Jonathan Taylor signing extension. You're assuming Jonathan Taylor is going to eventually be the guy in Indianapolis, but Zach Moss has looked great as the guy over the past couple weeks. So how are you ranking Zach Moss, DeMarcado, and then the Bears guys You know, among these pickup options this week? You know, when you're talking about this backfield... And, you know, Joe, I saw something in the corner of my eye and I lost my train of thought. Just remind me to play with Zach Moss. So yes. Moss, it's not just been the few weeks. This goes back to the four games he started at the end of the season. He yeah, was 4.8 yards per carry. And I was on him when he when he broke, broke his arm. And I was lucky that some of my drafts were over and nobody was on him because of the broken arm. I rostered him everywhere because mm. I'm like, because he'll be on the field. I knew he was recovering quickly. And he was somebody I'm like, so I used him heavily. Now, Crap, in the leagues I had Taylor and him, I started Taylor last week. Looked like an idiot there, right? Right. But but your question about Moss. Look, they paid Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is making a boatload of money now. And they clearly were working him in because he hadn't done football activity since December of last year. And so it, it wasn't that he was like a part-time player. He, I don't know if it's this week. I would start both of them this week. I think the, the, the role. Oh, yeah, I, I would start them both. They probably are closer to 50-50 timeshare. The next week is probably 75 Taylor, 25 Moss. And then it probably ends out about 80-20 down the rest of the way. Okay. There's no way that they could bench Jonathan Taylor, who they just paid a boatload of money to and, and mortgage it all up. There's no way they could bench him. As that's, good as Moss is, and I love Moss, they just can't do it. That's exactly how I feel. That's, that, that's exactly how I feel. I think Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor – I would feel concerned playing Jonathan Taylor this week. I'm not concerned about playing Zach Moss. I'm going to keep playing Zach Moss until he until it hurts, right? Like, and I think you kind of have found money in the most part for Zach Moss, anyway. So that there should be situations on your roster where you don't have to consider playing him. Now, uh, the places I do have Zach Moss, it's because Nick Chubb, you know, had that nasty knee injury, so I've, I've had to. We'll figure that out as we get there. I think Demarcado is still the running back that I would roster first. 
to your point, because the Cardinals don't have a lot to play for. I mean, they can develop younger talent. That's the guy I feel like has the most chance to be successful rest of season. But if it's a one week thing, I, I, I like Zach Moss just as much as DeMarcado. I like Deonta Foreman. I think you, I think there's a lot of starting running backs this week. It's just that DeMarcado, I think for the rest of the season has more, va- more value, right? Yeah. 100%. 100%. Okay. Not much, not much to add on that. You Anfo is saying, so Moss a start over DeMarcado this week only. Yes, I, I would. I think I'm starting Moss, but I'm investing more from a fab perspective if both are available on DeMarcado, knowing I get a guy uh, at least for next month. You know, we have to go month by month with these positions, at least for the next month that has some value. So we had uh, Devon Achan get injured. He's going to be out multiple weeks for the Dolphins. That was just reported earlier today. Uh, I, I don't know if that makes Selvin Ahmed more attractive to you. Jeff Wilson is on injured reserve. He's theoretically able to be activated. It didn't sound like he was all that close. I don't know if I've been monitoring it that effectively, but it might be for the next two or three weeks, Raheem Mostert and then Selvin Ahmed. So where is Ahmed ranked for you? So I, and I know it stinks that waivers is now because yes, Jeff I know. Wilson is, you know, so they opened his practice window. It's this week. So yeah, I guess I'd have to say probably not this week, but we don't know if it was one of those injuries where they just gave him extra time because they had the luxury to do that. There's a world he plays and that's the problem. So I could come out and say Salvin Ahmed right now, but a he's okay. He's not a very good running back. Mostert could get 15, 16 carries right. in this game and they're going to lean on the passer. And now here's what you can say. And again, you're taking a chance because if for some reason Jeff Wilson, it was just a precautionary IR, then he could actually be ready to play. We don't know. We have no idea. And so you're hoping that this game is a blowout against Carolina, which it probably will be. And then in the second half, now Mike McDaniel may have learned his lesson. When you're scoring 70 points against Denver and leaving your starters in too late, like way into that game, be done with it. Just get your starters out. That In that case, Ahmed could get 12 late carries and cash for you. But again, I can't quantify and say that Jeff Wilson won't be ready this week because I it didn't sound like a serious injury he had. Yeah, I guess the language I thought at the beginning of the season was he was going to be out longer than anticipated, but that's all context, right? Or, or, or yeah. phrasing, right? Longer right. than anticipated is, oh, he's longer than four weeks. Well, true, right? But that's that's the natural time frame when you're getting activated off injured reserve. Uh, and I think you could prolong Wilson so long as A-Chain was effective. And he was effective over the past couple of weeks. But now you're going to need another veteran running back. I like Jeff Wilson. Actually, that might be the more attractive asset to me if you have a way to stash into reserve players. It feels a little bit like uh, Zach Moss in that instance where you know at some point Jeff Wilson's going to be a thing. You certainly know Raheem Mostert has injury history and concerns as, as his own. And it doesn't sound like A-Chain's returning anytime soon. In fact, the way the language was earlier today, he's out for most of the season from a fantasy perspective. He might return, come close to the playoffs or fantasy playoffs, but that's that's one of those guys I think you could drop actually at this point. Uh, that's that's probably too aggressive to say. I want more information, but uh, yeah, it doesn't sound good either way for HN. I like Jeff Wilson just as much as I do Southern Offman in that regard. Um, two other real quick notes. A lot of people, and I'm sure you've seen this too because we play in deeper leagues, have been picking up Keaton Mitchell. A lot, you know, Ravens rookie running back. Uh, he had his practice window activated last week, participated in practice all week, and then Ravens chose not to activate him. I don't know if it's because they're going against the Steelers or whatever else. Keep Mitchell incredibly fast. Of course, they have uh, veteran guys like Gus Edwards, Justice Hill. You get the Kenny Drakes, Melvin Gordons of the world. 
There is no speed element quite like Keaton Mitchell on that team and certainly out of the backfield. But do you think he could be consistently a fantasy asset? You know, I always have a hard time buying the undrafted free agent. I, I mean, you know, everybody's high on Sean Tucker. Maybe he was a seventh round pick. Tucker, I don't remember. He was, free, undrafted, he was undrafted because he had the undrafted. heart condition thing. Right. And, and, and so we, we we get all this from the dynasty community. The dynasty community right. gets super hot on players because they put up numbers. And, you know, it reminds me when Miko Hardman came in the league. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God, Tyreek Hill's going to be suspended. Just plug in Miko Hardman. I go, no, it doesn't work like that. You don't just put, say super fast dude and plug in super fast dude. It's not the same. It doesn't happen. So, I, yes, take a dart. Because Justice Hill had a big fumble last week, and they have they're playing him ahead of Gus Edwards at the goal line. Right. I don't understand this. Don't Gus either. Edwards every year of his career five yards per carry, clockwork. Justice Hill last year when they could have used him, they barely used him, and now all of a sudden they're giving him a prominent role. So there is a possibility that Mitchell could get in, but we have to worry. Now, we know any running back can produce something in the NFL because you get in there, you're fine. But it's an undrafted free agent. So, yeah, if you're in a deep league and there's nobody out there, throw a dart. But to think you're you're on the gold, to me, that's a real stretch. Yeah, I agree. Guys like Tajay Spears, at least as of Monday, were uh, the same roster percentage as Keaton Mitchell. I don't know if it's because people had an IR spot, so you could just stash them that way. And Tajay Spears is actually active. But Spears, Spears is like legitimately in a better spot. We we can right now say he's a better running back because we've seen him participate in the offense. The Titans are using him effectively. He's been a pass-catching guy. They've ran plays for him. Um, I, I like Spears a lot. I do want to point out they play in London this week. I I just uh, I had an eerie feeling with the Jags because they got to stay there the entire week in London. Uh, it felt like such a trap game from the Bills' perspective. They just got over a divisional, massive emotional divisional win against the Dolphins the week before. That result was not surprising to me. All I know is London games get really weird. And if I could have, if I could avoid as many of my players playing in those as possible, I'd like to. So whether it be Keaton Mitchell, who's on that one side, or Tajay Spears on the other, it makes me a little bit more worried about those players. You know, you mentioned Tajay Spears and, you know, his snap share the last three weeks, he's playing more than half the snaps. Yep. And Derrick Henry's on this team. Henry's not seeing a big snap share anymore. There's a week where he had a lot of carries, but Spears is getting himself about close to 10 opportunities a week. There's a lot of value in that. And in the last two weeks, he has at least 58 yards in each game. He's not going to score every week because they're right at their goal line. That's going to be Derrick Henry. So he's have to score from probably, you know, the 10 yard line or outside, but Spears is a strong flex. If you're real, real desperate in a deep league and you need somebody to start as a running back too, you don't like it, but 10 touches is 10 touches. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Uh, talking about a few of the other weird situations. So we'll get to Elijah Mitchell in a second, but there's Jordan Mason, who's been the backup with Elijah Mitchell out now for a little bit of uh, time. And Jameer Gibbs, of course, for the Lions too, missed last week, was doubtful. We'll see what his stats is this week. The Lions missed a lot of pieces. It felt like the Lions knew they were going against the Panthers and could play it safe with those pieces. Craig Reynolds became a thing as well, too. So is Reynolds or Jordan Mason enough in deeper leagues that you're rostering them like you would Alexander Masson when Delvin Cook was the running back for the Vikings? Or is that looking too far into things and you wouldn't want to waste a roster spot and a handcuff in those situations? Yeah, it, if a roster spot is valuable, Reynolds isn't worth it. Because I think if Reynolds even gets, you know, if he says the number two, He's just not going to get you much production with his limited opportunities. He's he's not very good. 
So even if he gets you six carries, he might get you 18 yards. Chance of scoring mm. are slim if Montgomery's healthy because Montgomery's getting those carries. Um, even if he gets a catch, you're looking four yards a catch probably. So, But Jordan Mason is the one. As soon as Mitchell got hurt, like it was midweek, I grabbed Mason in all my leagues, as the deeper leagues, because it's like if Mitchell's on the injury report with a knee, he's going to be out for weeks. And True. so far it's been two. And and I wouldn't be, you know, again, I am not a doctor. I don't see his knee. I don't know. But when I hear Mitchell and his injury history, I still wouldn't be surprised if he goes on IR, even though he's already missed two games. I don't know what it is, but this dude misses a lot of time with injuries. So Mason, if, if McCaffrey, I hope it never happened, but if he's the missed time for some reason, Mason walks into that offense, he's a running back one. Yeah, I have uh, Eli Mitchell in a lot of places. He is a drop for me, finally. I'm finally ready to cut the, cut the cord at this point. I will be picking up Jordan Mason in those places that I have him. Uh, I have Delvin Cook in just a few places. I'm dropping Delvin Cook. I'm dropping Jarek McKinnon. Would you drop Tank Bigsby? I've seen that a few spots as well, too. Uh, just one point about Jarek McKinnon, and I was alerting people this right before the season. The Kansas City beat writer, who's very dialed in, was very clear about this. Don't expect much from Jarek McKinnon for the first half of the season. Hmm. They're going to spot him. They're going to start getting him integrated heavily as a receiver in the second half of the season to get him ready for the playoffs. They know he's an over 30 running back. They know there have been durability issues. So that was the talk. And so that has how I framed it to people saying, if you're going to draft McKinnon, understand you're not using him for the first half of the season. You're going to use him later. Just understand. So if you drop him, fine. But revisit it in a few weeks when your buys are clipped and he's still out there. Consider going back to the well because he has a role in that office. They're just not using him that way right now because it's a long season for them. Delvin Cook is a definite drop. Uh, he's been a declining player since last year, hasn't shown any better this year, and now his work is drying up because Brees on. Now, take Bigsby, your question. He's 15% of the less of the snaps. He's only getting a few carries in a game. Uh, that's about it. Um, yeah, he scored, he scored a touchdown in week one. And he may have scored a second one. I'm trying to look at my notes I right now. I think he did. I think he did score. But he had that awful fumble where the play wasn't ruled dead and uh, DeForest Buckner punched the ball out. Just irresponsible play. He's not a – Tank Bigsby's not a good player. In no. In redraft leagues, I'm dropping Tank Bigsby because it goes back to your point. If ETM were going to get injured, I think Dearness Johnson probably does better and plays more than Bigsby. Even if Bigsby has this goal line role, fine. Like Dearness Johnson is clearly the better running back, and I think we can say that – really easily through five weeks. Yeah, I mean, Bigsby, seven for – he had his touchdown, the opener, seven carries, 13 yards against Indy. And then week three, he gets the touchdown, two carries, 10, that's fine. Three for 10 against Atlanta, and then three for eight last week. And he said fumble issues. Yeah, right now, it's so far, Travis Etienne's back. And like you said, if you're holding him for a stash – I get it, but I think like you, Dearness Johnson and Jamichael Hasty. You've got three man oh, backfield. Yeah. Hasty, That's a yeah. three man backfield if he gets hurt. Yeah, uh, we spent a lot of time on the running backs, which is good. There, there's a lot of information. Again, I think if we're ranking things, Demarcado becomes the first guy. We're putting about 25, 30 percent of our remaining budget in there, and then I, I don't know. Bears backfield. Are we okay with that? We're saying one of those guys. If you need to start this week, it's. It's going to be, you're hoping, either Roshan Johnson or Deontay Foreman, possibly even both against that Vikings defense. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's, uh, it's, there's a lot of different running back options, certainly, and Tajay Spears included in that conversation as well. All right, so if you had Justin Jefferson, that's been the big talk as well, too, likely going to be placed in an injured reserve in the coming days. There's been a few reports that have been trickling out. Feels like one of those things where 
Jefferson or his agent is certainly pushing the agenda. Hey, I didn't get this contract extension I was wanting and, and should have got at the beginning of the season. There's no need for me to rush back. I'll take my time on this thing. And certainly the Vikings do trade Kirk Cousins. That could extend even longer. So what does that mean? It, what, is, what, what it means if you have uh, just Jefferson on your roster? Well, put him on IR or hold on to him. I don't think you can drop him. But it's Jordan Addison that becomes the top pickup for me. Unfortunately, was well past our 50% threshold. <laughs> so Havoc is asking, going after Jordan Addison or Gabe Davis. Jordan Addison every time. But most people don't have that luxury. So is it KJ Osborne or is it Brandon Powell who got way more playing time and snaps uh, after Jefferson's injury occurred on Sunday? So there was already a quote from the Vikings coaching staff that K.J. Osborne slides into the X receiver role. The funny thing is, though, he was playing over 90% of the snaps. They love him as a blocker. Right? There's, you hear me talk about it all the time. There's like a lot of teams have a receiver that's just really good at blocking, and they get some targets, but their main function and why they play so many snaps, it's why Osborne out snapped Addison and it wasn't even close is for that role in the offense. So now what they're going to do is if they're going to slide Osborne into that X role, which they kind of by necessity have to Brandon Powell is really probably a slot as it is, but, but that's going to take away a lot of the blocking they need from their receivers. That's going to be a hit to their offense beyond Jefferson. But I have to think, yes, Osborne, he's had, you know, targets six, six and nine in three of his five games. So he's seen targets. He drops a lot of passes, but he has big playability. But in this role, it's probably a great opportunity for him. I'm a little worried about Jordan Addison because Addison's going to get the top coverage now. I wonder how he'll do it because he had two busted coverages for big plays. Yeah. And that's because defense are so sold out at Justin Jefferson. Like the safety, the one safety where he had the long touch against Tampa didn't even bite that way. And he just let Addison like walk down the middle of the field because I think his eyes were still looking on Justin Jefferson's side of the field and it ends up being like a 40-yard touchdown. So, uh, but Addison's going to get targets and he's going to be fine. But I just wonder, I don't don't make the connection that all of a sudden now Addison's a 100-yard-a-week guy. Maybe, but maybe with defenses now making him the number one target, We'll see how good he is when this happens. I, but but again, he's fine. But yeah, Osborne's a logical one. I, and I actually think it's it's the inverse for me. Don't assume Osborne's the hundred yard receiver guy either. Like I I don't no, I don't think Osborne no. is that good. You know, other than that the game where he had two hundred thirty yards in the second half because Jeff Saturday forgot that he was playing on Sunday. I, don't, okay, <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea what the Colts are doing. Other than that, Osborne has like 600 total yards in his career, despite the massive playing time and the really big need for a blocker and a bad offense, blah, 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 baloney. Like it's, I have no clue what the Vikings are doing. Again, I go back to, I think they should just trade Kirk Cousins because that scheme, if they need to be reliant on Osborne is a bad scheme to begin with. I, I actually find uh, Jordan Aston is the one that's certainly more valuable, but I think Brandon Powell has some value too, because they do big plays and i think deeper teams i'm sorry deeper leagues or deeper rosters let's just say 12 team 20 roster spots brandon powell is not only a pickup but might even be a start on a few occasions four catches for 43 yards almost all came after jefferson left sunday's game against the chiefs this past week powell powell looks he looks spry with the ball in his hands like i think there's something to that uh and i know the vikings can scheme things to good players osborne's not one of them they can scheme things to good players so i think addison and powell actually have some more opportunity that way yeah, and I agree with you on that. Powell is going to get those slot routes. He, he he had good production in the Kansas City game late in there. And Kirk Cousins, he's not going to get a lot of separation against good cornerback tandems from Osborne. 
he's going to kind of be forced to throw. Now, TJ Hawkinson's going to get as many targets as he oh, can yeah. handle. Yeah. He's, a, he's, he's a big beneficiary here. So, uh, but Powell, if you're in, if you're in a deep league, Powell's an ad for sure. And I think you might be able to start him as a flex in a deep league as well, because I think he's going to get five to six targets a game. Because a lot of Justin Jefferson targets, they're not all going to one guy. They're going to get split up, but that slot role is, has some value to it. For people who might not understand the concept, to me, it feels exactly like when Mike Williams went down with the injury. And of course, in the case of Mike Williams, he was done for the season. I'm not saying Jefferson's done for the season, but I wouldn't be surprised if his absence is longer than you'd initially think when you hear a hamstring injury uh, and, and not a severe one or looked bad when you watch the injury occur. Quinton Johnston was the guy I'm recommend, recommended to pick up. I still am recommending him because the Chargers had a bye week this past week. You might have had a drop in due to necessity. Josh Palmer was the one everyone wants to go pick up, rightfully so, because he is a favorite of Justin Herbert's. But Palmer can't play more than he was already playing. It's the same concept for K.J. Osborne. Quinton Johnston was the one that got more snaps and by default is going to have more opportunities. Brandon Powell, widely available everywhere. I think it's that same kind of concept, but a lesser extent. Powell is not a first-round pick who's six foot four and theoretically can make big plays at the point of the catch. Uh, we have yet to see that for Quentin Johnston. I think the Chargers are a little bit worried, but it is the same sort of concept. The other receiver that I want to discuss is Josh Downs, and I'm curious if you think Gardner Minshew as your starting quarterback for the Colts helps or hurts Josh Downs because we've seen Josh Downs quietly be a pretty consistent four or five catch 50 yard guy that if you're in a deeper league, full point PPR, not an automatic start, but one that you've been quietly very happy to have in your lineup each week of the season. Now Gardner Minshew, different offensive scheme by default because he can't do what Anthony Richardson does. Does that make Josh Downs more or less relevant to you? So I think Josh Downs is in a really good spot here. He primarily plays the slot. Teams know that if you pressure Gardner Minshew, a lot of good things for the defense happen. So Gardner Minshew's hot read is often going to be the slot. And I think that's going to be a very beneficial opportunity for him. Michael Pittman is going to get pressed a lot to try to, you know, try to uh, knock the timing of the playoff for Minshew mm -hmm. a little bit. Pittman will be fine with a better quarterback. Now, Minshew will have his, you know, they'll have some good games. But again, this week, Minshew's going to get pressured. We said last week the Jaguars are throwing some really good-looking disguised blitzes up. And to me, Downs is going to be a recipient of a lot of the hot reads. And so I think he continues to be a factor. Can I add one thing about Quentin Johnston? Sure. This is speculation. I This is just my history of kind of knowing how things work. It's that I think coming out of the bye, the teams have an opportunity to teach players. They, they really wanted to ramp up Johnson, and he wasn't ready. But they need a deep threat. And that ain't Josh Palmer. They need a deep threat. And so during the bye week, I have to think, this is my narrative, they had to work on Johnston in the deep role primarily. They had to get him on that. And Justin Herbert's going to let things launch when he can. And with Keenan Allen underneath, and they'd have, you know, like obviously Josh Palmer's solid enough. I do think there's an opportunity. It's a speculation. But if you do make a play for Quentin Johnston, give it two weeks. If he isn't on it in two weeks, it's probably done for the year. But I think he could very quickly acclimate into a deep target role. I 100% agree. And that's actually what I echoed back when that Mike Williams injury happened is, okay, again, everyone's racing for Josh Palmer, totally fine pickup in its own right, but there is a role and there has to be a role. There has to be a role for Quinton Johnston. They play the Cowboys Monday night here. I am excited to see if that happened. I would say most, I'm sorry, most good coaching staffs, that's exactly what I would assume. I don't think I can assume anything good coaching staff wise occurs for Brandon Staley. And that's my only reservation. Like if you and I are coaches, Jim, <laughs> we would be sitting there doing that because we understand that's what Quentin Johnston has to do. 
I'm not certain I feel that way about Brandon Staley. That's that's my only critique. But Kellen uh, Moore might be okay. Yes, I, I'm trusting Kellen Moore. Uh, I just hope that he has enough sway to help Quentin Johnston become more of a factor uh, for Los Angeles. So the other, other, I'm sorry, the other target from a receiver perspective, probably DJ Shark, obviously for the Panthers. I would feel so much better if Andy Dalton was the quarterback from a fantasy perspective, uh, but 20 targets over the past three weeks. You're probably in a few leagues where you have to consider that. Uh, from a bye week perspective against Steelers, Packers, that's at least three fantasy wide receivers from those two teams. Uh, is is there a long season play for G- DJ Shark? And, you know, the Panthers have been much rumored to be trying to trade for a number one receiver, which is weird because they gave one away uh, to get a bad quarterback in the case of Bryce Young. And, yes, I feel comfortable saying that through six weeks. It's fine. Don't, you know, I'm not worried about that uh, statement coming to be on freezing cold takes or anything. Bryce Young's not that good. I, I don't, I'm not really interested in the Panthers passing attack until Andy Dalton is your quarterback. And I don't know if or when that even happens. Oh, by the way, Bryce, Bryce, uh, Bryce Young, he ain't no CJ Stroud. <laughs> All right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, over the two pick. All right. So, Chark, look, Chark is a player to, to target. He's healthy right now. And that's what we have. When he's healthy, he's a very good football player. And we have two things working for him. Like you said, game script is going to work. They're going to have to throw the ball. And there is a world. Bryce Young's taking a lot of hits already. Durability in his small size holding up. It's a real concern. And there could be a concern that if he's getting hit enough, they could even just maybe just make a move. But there's a chance that we have Andy Dalton in there at some point in time. But even if Young in there, I think Chark gets enough done. And his ceiling goes way up with Andy Dalton. So I do think Chark is somebody, if you have the roster space, and you know, again, depending on the depth of your league, that's all critical factors here. But if you have a spot, it's not a terrible, crazy speculation. He can be a viable player down the stretch. Have you seen anyone sell high on Adam Thielen? Like, I, I get that. I see that all the time in articles. I'll trade Adam Thielen for Amon Ross St. Brown or somebody like that. You know, in your, your packaging pieces. But the issue is, I don't know anyone who's buying Adam Thielen uh, at a certain extent, it's like, I don't think the wheels are going to fall off per se, but Thielen's value was, was this essentially like, I think people, this is the high end of what Thielen could do, but I'm not like, Oh, need to go get Thielen. My mind has been changed. Like, no, I, the Panthers aren't a good team. They might have to pass a lot. Thielen's been targeted a lot because the rookie quarterback likes him, but there just is an upside part that I, I feel like I'm, I'm not interested or attracted to. You know what? Adam Thielen has done it. Four weeks in a row. The wheels fell off last year. He was toast. He was done. He couldn't separate. He had Kirk Cousins, and he couldn't do a darn thing. Now, all of a sudden, Adam Thielen, 54 and a touchdown, 145 and a touchdown with Dalton, 76, 107 and a touchdown, averaging over 10 targets per game. When when Bryce Young came in the NFL, I said, well, Stroud's the guy who's more classic. He's probably going to be the guy thrown to the outside receivers, more mixing it in the middle, whereas Bryce Young, he's going to have to live in the middle of the field. That's going to be his game because yeah. that's that's all he has. He, I don't think he has to drive on the ball to consistently win it outside. So whatever happens, four weeks in a row, I, I can't anymore say Adam Thielen's host. Now, it's just four weeks. That's a long time, right? And – He's in the slot, and apparently it's worked with two quarterbacks. And I wouldn't look to buy him because I. But how? I can't see right now him becoming a nothing again. Of course, the price somebody would ask for in a trade would be ridiculous. That's what I wouldn't want to give up. But I I can't quantify because he was toast last year, and and I just can't make sense of this. But right now, you start him every week, Mm -hmm. and if somebody offers you a king's ransom, which I doubt they will, like you said, take it. But otherwise, just keep starting them. 
Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. The the person that benefits the most from Thielen is the one that has him on the roster because I'm not going out and acquiring him. I'm not. Yeah, it's it, it's a tough it's a tough deal to make no matter how hard you might try. All right, I want to talk about the tight ends, and it really is a limited group. Last week we mentioned Jonu Smith. Uh, we'd also talk about Darnell Washington because Pat Frymuth out for the foreseeable future for the Steelers. Well, Darnell Washington saw 20 more snaps, only two targets overall. Kenny Pickett, Matt Canada really stink. Well, no, uh, Connor Nick Hayward was the receiving tight end, so that <laughs> that, that would never have worked because right. Darnell Washington was just going to be the, he was like, he was going to add a few extra snaps as a blocker, but he was going to retain his role. But yeah, Connor Hayward was the guy that said if you were desperate, go with him because he was going to be the receiving tight end. That's no big deal though. Yeah, and, and Hayward didn't do a whole lot either. No, right? no, yeah. no, and I wouldn't have started him either. But if you had to have one, he was going to be the one in the role of the receiving tight end. Ah, uh, we just got attracted by the six foot eight third round pick. Yeah, that's, that's all it was. <laughs> I didn't realize he was going to be the Brenton Strange, uh, just Josiah DeGuara fullback guy. Unfortunately, so yes. uh, I think this week from tight end, it probably still is Johnny Smith and Kyle Pitts. Finally, had his good game, and I put that in quotes because uh, didn't score a touchdown. I mean, was a factor, but it felt like the Texans. Like you said, sold out to stop the run. It allowed for Kyle Pitts to get a bit more involved. But Jonu Smith, again, quietly over 10 points in full point PPR for a third consecutive week. Uh, I started Jonu Smith over Kyle Pitts in two of the leagues that I share. Both those guys, I will do it again this week. I think Jonu Smith is the more consistent option. And whatever it is, Arthur Smith seems like he trusts Jonu Smith more. It's crazy. But it's been a four-week trend. Now, what I will say is this for Kyle. And I, again, I know Kyle Pitts' roster, but you are starting John U. Smith. I mean, the targets have been at least six, four games in a row. And he's catching most of the balls thrown his way. It almost seems like an unsustainable catch rate, but it's working. And while it's working, like you said, tight end, good luck finding one, right? Uh, there is a tight end that I have very similarly ranked to him. Mm. I, think he's, I think he's got to be more than 50% um, less – Tyler Conklin. Yeah, yeah. He, he's under that threshold as well, too. And I had Conklin last week because they were going against the Broncos. Broncos defense is miserable. But to your point, Conklin has been more involved from a target perspective, no matter who, what defense they're facing. Yeah, Conklin, like the targets are a little less than Jonu's. He's five or six every game, but he's been over 50 or more yards at three of those games. They're both good options. They're both really good options, but I do think Tyler Conklin is going to continue to be heavily involved. Uh, Jonu Smith, you're right. For now, you're playing him because it's, it's a very smart move because of those targets. You just wonder what Arthur Smith, he gets goofy and all of a sudden things change. But I don't, I agree with you. That That is the pickup. He's very athletic. Yeah, uh, we had done this last week, and I guess it's time now for uh, the Look What You Maybe Do segment again. So long as Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are together, we will find a way to make this segment happen each and every week. I'm tired of goofy coaches doing goofy things. I'm tired of Joe Barry screwing up everything. I am tired of Arthur Smith screwing up everything. I want coaches to, to stop outsmarting themselves because they're not outsmarting anyone other than themselves. That's it. That's it. I mean, that they're incapable of doing things that are appropriate or matter or can have any consequence. KJ Osborne playing as much as he is. That guy sucks. He's not a good football player. I don't need a blocking specialist on the field. If your scheme needs a blocking specialist specifically or a converted tight end to fullback, Matt LaFleur, Josiah DeGuara, stop it. Just stop doing whatever you're doing. Find a different scheme. Uh, I, I, I can't handle I can't handle bad offensive line play either, which Feels like it's the theme of this season. We've seen Aiden Hutchinson and Nick Bosa and God, Max Crosby was insane. Just bad offensive line play. It's that's that's what this has been over the past six weeks of the season. I cannot handle uh, just just poor coaching and poor football uh, at two areas that felt like that was 
maybe it's because I was younger and naive and didn't assume poor coaching and poor football happened. But like 20 years ago, it was not to this level of coaches outthinking themselves the way they do. The Bears were the quintessential group of that, right? And uh, they finally figure out, hey, Justin Fields, throw the ball to your best guy, run around, do some cool things. That's how you should play. That's that's what football needs to be when you have talented players. Kyle Pitts fits in that equation. Arthur Smith, I hate you. That's all I have to say. Look what you made me do, Jim. Love it, Joe. Great rant. Very good rant. Great, great rant, yeah. Uh, before before we head out, I want to talk about the streaming defenses real quick. Um, you should have first check to see if the Chiefs are available. They face the Broncos this week. I think they're over 65% rostered. And uh, obviously they had the Vikings this past week, which may or may not have been an attractive option for some people. I'm picking up the Chiefs every single time. If they are not there, though, do you, do you go with Jacksonville in the Revenge Gardner Minshew game? I like. It's it's interesting because the Colts' offense has been kind of gamey. You know, I, we, again, I I said earlier in the show I believe that the Jaguars are blindsided in Week One, seeing the Colts come out in three receiver sets when their the roster said they were a heavy tight end. They only have four receivers on the roster. I, I think now that they played them, it's a huge advantage playing in Jacksonville and a rematch because those rematches are almost always lower scoring than the initial game, and there's no Anthony Richardson this time. And and I do think that Jacksonville is really. Again, they they slowed down the, the Chiefs for one half. They really slowed down the Bills. This is a defense that's on the rise. They're playing well. I think it's a great streamer option. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm just answering questions already. That's, that's what I like. And then other one I looked at was Rams against the Cardinals. Of course, Aaron Donald can absolutely wreck a single game. Whenever uh, Josh Dobbs looked a little bit competent, Demarcado. hopefully if he works things for fantasy managers, we don't want the Rams defense to be effective, but that's another streaming candidate too. Yeah, that one definitely works as well because the it's very like the way Sean McVay has that offense humming and now with Cooper Cupback, they score a lot of points. They get a lead. That leads to things happening, sacks, turnovers, and that's, that's what you want. You want a game where game script allows big plays to be made. The Texans might not be the worst play in the world either. After mm. the mistake last week of, of trying to stop the Atlanta run, they got torched. They go back to what they do in this game, and they can bring pressure. They're very scheme-based in generating pressure and tell me Derek Carr on the road. And if you get pressure on Derek Carr, a lot of good things for the defense can often happen. He is one of those guys you target on the road. Uh, that's, that's absolutely true. That's a good point. Jake and I always take some time to go over questions the chat has posted, Jim. So I'll pose them to you. This starts for with uh, Lex Plant Some Trees. I like the name there. Not sure if you all give input. Of course we do here. But this trade just pissed off everyone in my league. So Pittman, Ridley, and Jonathan Taylor on one side, Jim, for Cup and Jefferson on the other. Which side of that trade ended up being the victor? Pittman, well, the, the IR thing, Taylor. the IR thing's gonna be a problem. If it wasn't for the IR, it would be Cup and the Jefferson side easily. But if Jefferson's out at least a month, I mean, really, there's three starters on the other side of this. So for right now, I got to go with Pittman, Ridley, and JT because of the Jefferson injury. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. Uh, I, I kind of liked that side as well. And obviously, if you can stash Jefferson for a month, that's great. But I, I don't think it's a guarantee that he returns within four weeks. It, it's a probable thing. Uh, I made that mistake with Cooper Cup. I wasn't sure he was going to return. I was a little bit hesitant. Uh, th- I think the teams with the hamstrings specifically know what to do. And Jefferson should, because the Vikings won't be that bad. But he didn't get his contract. And the Vikings might not have Kirk Cousins. 
They could slow play that a little bit. So and just, just keep that in mind a little bit too. So someone asked, do they trade Damian Pierce of the Texans and Sam Laporta for Joe Mixon? The person that has Laporta also has Mark Andrews. And the running backs in this equation would be Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Brees Hall, Stevenson, and Mixon. I, I, I think you could maybe even try to get Brees Hall if you're instead of Mixon, like a Laporta for Damian Pierce. I would rather have Brees Hall rest of the season than Mixon. Where are you at with that? Yeah, so uh, and, and I'm disappointed in you, Joe. When you were reading that question, you could have read it as Taylor Swift as the running backs. You had, a, had written that. Uh, you missed an opportunity, Joe Bartle. All right. I absolutely the comma. That's the, the grammatical brain in mind. Yes. I'm so sorry, I robbed us of the opportunity. <laughs> so look, Damian Pierce. They got their two tackles back last last week. They're probably getting their guard and center back sometime soon. Damian Pierce is going to be an ascending player because this team has a passing attack. I'm keeping – so I, I whatever side – I want the Pierce and Laporta side of this one. Mixon, Mixon's a compiler, and, and eventually you just see it. It's He's not finding the end zone a lot. Now maybe the offense figures things out. But Mixon is a declining player, and he's been. So the side of the deal I like here, it's Pierce and Laporta, and it's easy. If it was Brees Hall, would that be different for you? That's That's my question. Yeah, if you can get Brees Hall, and I don't like that their left guard, um, Elijah Vera Tucker, went down yes. with an Achilles injury. Not that yes. really, really scares me. But Brees Hall may be one of those players that's immune to offensive line play, and, and he legitimately could be a top three running back the rest of the way. So if you're going to tell me I'm going to get Brees Hall when we always need running backs, I would do that. Okay, and last question. I, I answered this one in the chat, but I guess I'll pose it to you as well too. Mateo Feo asks, should he drop Russell Wilson for either Gardner Minshew Josh Dobbs, Desmond Ritter, or Baker Mayfield? I would keep Russell Wilson. And look, at honestly, he's a terrible quarterback. He's putting up numbers. Right. But that's the thing. He's putting up numbers. Their exactly. defense is so bad, they trail every week. And you know, if you notice his numbers, he's getting them in Windsor behind. He's not putting up the numbers in the game when the game's competitive. But the defense means it's so bad, they're going to be trailing every week. But he has almost two touchdowns or 300 yards in every game. You cannot, you got to keep him. Yeah, that's exactly the point. The Denver defense is so bad that they are going to consistently being able to produce Russell Wilson from a fantasy perspective. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And this question is still the an answer the same for me if and when they trade Jerry, Judy, and Cortland Sutton, because that is going to happen. One of those guys is absolutely going to get traded. I don't care. I think Marvin Mims is really good. I had mentioned it on past broadcasts. I'll be trying to get Marvin Mims everywhere before a trade happens because Marvin Mims is going to be a top 25 fantasy receiver once that occurs. He's just too electric, and they're going to have way too many opportunities. Real quick, Jim, uh, Jay Bryce sneaks in with the final question. Someone offered me ETN and Laporta for DeAndre Hopkins, Javante Williams, and Jake Ferguson. Should I do it? Yes. Yeah, I think so. ETN, look, it may be, he may have a couple down games here and there, but the volume is insane. That offense is just starting to figure things out. And the more their passing game gets going, the more lanes in the running game there'll be. Uh, yes. And look, as much as I love Ferguson, Laporte is a, a massive upgrade on that. And Javante, I think Julio McLaughlin takes some work. Yeah, good to ETN and Laporta. And that's not even close to me. Yeah. 100%. Uh I'll, I'll spirit animal Jake Letarski in here. You always say, I want the best player out of the deal. You're getting the best two players. I, I think Sam Laporta is just as good as DeAndre Hopkins, if not better, and certainly ETN is too. So yes, smash, accept, do a little happy dance. Uh, you just got the steal of whatever your trade season is right there with that deal. All right, that does it for us on the week six edition of the Waiver Wire podcast, of course, brought to you by Circus Sports. 
we don't get the opportunity to this very often, Jim. Happy that you're able to fill in. Please tell us everything that you are doing over the course of the week. It feels like every second of the day you have some sort of content coming out, but I want to hear everywhere where we can find you. Yeah, I'm an easy man to find. The main hub is at Jim Coventry NFL on the X or Twitter. Uh, you can find some on TikTok, same thing, at Jim Coventry NFL um, Instagram. Usually when Rotowire does my videos, I just repost them there. And articles on Rotowire, if you want a free Rotowire subscription for two days, you see it right there, rotowire.com slash pod. Do that. But again, I'm on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio Saturdays and Sundays. I'm on the night, Tuesday night, if you're watching this live, depending when you're listening, it might be a different time, but um, 8 to 10 Eastern. But again, all my written work, threads for prop betting, DFS. Again, just go to Jim Coventry NFL on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you, Jim, for hopping on. Thank you guys, everyone, for listening. Best of luck on your week six lineups. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.